0: Just past seven o'clock, and here we go, an action-packed and filled-to-the-brim edition of Ira on Sports, 95.9, the true oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo, and Ira, you did it. Another live sporting event in the books. I don't know how you do this, but I, I would venture that you've been to more live sporting events since they allowed fans back than anyone in the country. Well, we're running out of events I can
1: go to, <laughs> but uh, um, certainly in Florida, to be able to a chance to see the Dolphins and the Chiefs. Uh, very exciting to come down to Miami Gardens and the Hard Rock Stadium and catch that. Um, now, this is two out of the last three weeks I've seen the Chiefs play. And it's exciting, you know, to go down and see this is a team, when you look at the Chiefs, that are on the precipice of being a dynasty. I mean, they're really right yep. now six games away. Three more regular season games, three playoff games, back to back Super Bowl wins. And then you've got how many teams have won two Super Bowls back to
0: back? It's not easy to do. It only happened a handful of times. And they are in the driver's seat for it. But there are some chinks in that armor, and we'll talk about that uh, coming up in just a minute. But we do have to mention our weird slam tonight – because we have a great interview with uh, Sammy Coates. And this is somebody, a uh, professional wide receiver. You may know him best from playing with your Pittsburgh Steelers. But we, we pre-recorded this interview earlier today, Ira. He's phenomenal. This is like this was some of the best analysis. He covered so much. Uh, you covered so much with him. And I can't wait to get to Sammy Coates around 730.
1: Well, considering Sammy was a star at Auburn, and we could talk yeah. to him a little bit about what happened at Auburn where their coach, Gus Malzahn, was fired this past week. Uh, and also Sammy was with the Steelers. He's with the Texans. And he's got some insight into those teams too uh, in terms of what's happening with Ben Rotzenberger Antonio Brown he talked about Mike Tomlin talked
0: about Gus Mazan so great insight from Sammy you're not going to want to miss Sammy Coates on Iron Sports right about 7.30 um, alright we have no, no time to waste Ira. let's get into the NFL you were there yesterday Kansas City taking on Miami and once again Ira You know, we'll talk about um, you know everything but once again we see Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, just not world beaters. They win games, but they're not crushing anyone. Yeah, it was it was great going to the game. I got there super early again, taking
1: tons of pictures. I sat on the wrong side of the stadium. I sat on the visiting side, but the sun, for some reason, was so glaring. Now, maybe that's something to do with the Chiefs to start, because I've been <laughs> to the Dolphins Stadium many, many times. I've never felt the sun that strong up until, like, the middle of the third quarter. Then it was covered away, because the way they do the stadium, it's not like it's a part. It's not a dome. It has those coverings above mm-hmm. the top of the stadium. And I think that's weird because they don't actually cover all of it. It's not straight. So there's these streaks of light yeah. in the middle. That's when you see these guys drop balls. I can see why, because there's a minute that it's like, boy, this light. And when the when the uh, blimp goes past the sun, it all like there's no sun at all. So it's like really a weird uh, situation with that. But uh, I think it was one of those things where the Chiefs. I think they need – I have never seen a team that just – they just go through the motions. It's amazing, and they're so good, and they're able to overcome everything that happens. You would think, here's the Chiefs on the precipice of destiny, of winning this you know, back-to-back in this dynasty, and, and the Dolphins have nobody. They have no wide receivers. They have no defensive – they've lost their star defensive player. They have no running backs. At the top they – they've they've lost, like, the top four wide receivers by – at the end of the game, the top four running backs, and they still hung in the game.
0: It, it was yeah, it's incredible um, how they do it week in and week out. So um, l- let's talk about the game itself, Ira. Um, I-, I was expecting the Dolphins defense to look pretty good, and you know what? For the most part, they did. Well, yeah. I, I start the Dolphins defense. My
1: fantasy team, I say, well. They, Dolphins, Tough start. <laughs> they all, but I, I started I started the Cowboys instead. But they because the point was is that they've been forcing turnovers on every other team, but they're not going to force you know, Patrick Jones, three interceptions in four, in twelve games all year, eleven games all year. There's no way he's going to turn the ball over this game. And then, and then the first drive, he throws to Kelsey and Van Ginkle. They're they're so opportunistic. They the defensive linemen are always raising their hands, always trying to block. And he puts the ball up there, and Byron Jones who's complaining we're not saying he's not getting a lot of interceptions. He finally gets that. Interception mm-hmm. right then and there, and you're like, what happened? And then he fumbles the ball. And they still get the ball back on the on the return, uh, but then they miss that that field goal. And then on the next drive, Mahomes he, he first of all, okay, he just threw interception. And <laughs> next time he gets the ball, he fumbles, and they almost yeah. had that ball on that fumble. And then I'm sitting there watching there and. Uh, Tyree Kill breaks open and Xavier Howard just totally lost him. Like mm-hmm. he fell on the ground and Hill was wide open. But Mahomes is trying to get it to him and get him down the field. But Baker goes in there, uh, Jerome Baker just forces him back and uh, he had a 30-yard loss on the play for a sack and that's why he couldn't get to Hill. But you, I saw the reason why Mahomes was trying to get to that pass is because he saw Hill wide open but just couldn't get around Baker. And that's what the Dolphins, I mean, they were pushing, they were adding pressure. You've got to, like if you're going to let Mahomes just stand there, he's going to kill you. So you've got to just get some pressure on them somewhat to try to do that.
0: It's there are you know you can have losses that are victories in, in some aspects, and yeah, defensively and the way they put pressure on Mahomes and took the ball away. I think other AFC teams are going to be looking at this to not only take note what did they do, but also. I don't want to play these guys in the playoffs.
1: And then you're starting to see 2 with
0: Gusecki. Just this... Oh, yeah.
1: It was just perfect. That next drive, he had a great drive on third down. He had a great pass to Grant and then that touchdown pass to Gizicchi. And it's just like, wow, 2 is really getting in on this mix. He was... he. It seemed like there were moments in the game where he didn't play well, but I think that that the end was tremendous, the two drives at the end. But in that in that first quarter, that other drive, that touchdown was great to go up 7 nothing. And then Mahomes throws another – that interception he threw to Hilaire, the second interception, what was he doing? I mean here's the guy who gave him the MVP, and it was like – it looked like uh, Ben Rotzenberger was throwing some of these intercepts. It was like a five-yard <laughs> pass, and it was right over Hilaire's head, just yeah. a terrible, terrible pass. Um, but then uh, Devontae Parker <laughs> – it's just, he has got to Cassie's end zone. I didn't start him today, <laughs> but another drop in the end zone. I mean, this is the chance. Honestly, the Dolphins could have been up 21-0. Yeah. Instead, they're up 10 nothing because, but they could have been up 21. And I think when you're playing the Chiefs, every point counts. That's what you have to do. Because then, again, the Chiefs got sacked at Mahomes. Baker said He sacked Mahomes two and a half times. That's amazing. And then, But at the uh, uh, at the end, uh, Tyrone Matthew had that great interception there on Tua there at the end of, this, of the first half. Uh, and then Mahomes threw to Kelsey. For a touchdown to make it fourteen ten, so you're at halftime and you're like, we've totally dominated this team. We got Mahomes to turn the ball over two times, and we're we're only up we're only up fourteen. We're down fourteen ten. It's just it's just crazy how that game went.
0: So go ahead and slide us into the second.
1: And then, but then the Chiefs like again, the Chiefs like came back out. Then the like three plays later, Mahomes to Hill forty four. <laughs> it's a touchdown. And then... Uh, they can make it look so easy. And then Fins go three and out. And then Hardman ran. Uh, the punt returned back for a touchdown. So like, in three different plays, they'll go up 28 to 10. And then they were... Chiefs were ready to score again. And Hardman fumbled. They were ready to go back in mm-hmm. again. And that was, like, one of those things. They're driving. So, it was, like, 30 to 10 cuz Tua gave us sa- safety and 30 to 10 and they throw it, it t- Mahomes is driving down make it 37 to 10 the stadium everyone's leaving like people are leaving at that moment cuz it's the end of the third quarter and he throws another interception to Xavier right. Howard Three interceptions in the game, just unheard of from Mahomes. Xavier Howard should get Defensive Player of the Year votes. It's either either uh, T.J. Watt or, or yeah. Howard, I think, were the two, or Donald for the Rams. Well, but, yeah, Aaron Donald's always yes. in trouble, <laughs> but and then again, there was then these great then two of then. So you're down thirty to ten, and you're thinking, oh, the game's over. But then two put together didn't rush. I like the fact that they they now by that time Parker's out of the game, Grant's out of the game, Gasicki's out of the game. They have Lynn Bowden in the game. We talked about Lynn Bowden from Youngstown, Ohio, who went to Kentucky, who was the quarterback there, but I. I. I think he's going to play a major role for the Dolphins this year and next year, because you can see everything he does. He's not just this running back, whatever, but he's hard to take down. He can catch the ball. He gets in the open space, and he made some great plays like six catches for 142 yards. And that was great. And then they made it. So the point was at 30 to 24. And then what do the Chiefs do? Almost every single game, they get the ball, like five minutes to go. They get some first downs. <laughs> they run, the, they kick the field goal, make it 33 24. They don't cover the spread because the Dolphins come down to kick a field goal. And yeah. it's like they, they just, they just, they, whatever, it's like, can the Chiefs win a game 50 to nothing? Like, yeah. can
0: they do something like that? They had one game this year. They blew someone out. So, but then the other point, Mahomes
1: was 24 or 34, almost 400 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, they can't get the running game going. Hilaire, 16 carries, 32 yards. Kelsey, big game. Hill, big game. Um, one other point for the game that I noticed is that uh, Eric enemy is the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. He's in line for almost every single job they mentioned. But Andy Reid calls these plays because there's times when Andy Reid just goes down and sits next to Patrick Mahomes right on the bench. I'm right behind the bench. Sits with him. And they might talk for 15, 20 minutes. Biennium's not involved in that conversation as much. So clearly Reid's calling the plays. The other thing is Reid has trouble. You see him on TV just stands there. He has trouble walking. I mean, he literally like rides between the 40 and the 40. He is not moving up. He I I hope he can coach. Like For his health-wise, I hope and everything he can coach, but he is—I've—I've I've been watching football games for like forty years. I've never seen a coach have trouble going up and down the sideline like Reed does. I mean, clearly he's either his knees bothering or something, but he is not moving fast at all and that's He does have to move fast, but he has to like
0: stand on the sideline. But he seems—I mean, I hope he does. He can still keep coaching. It's seven eleven. Ira on sports ninety five nine these channel. In about fifteen minutes, we'll get to uh, NFL wide receiver Sammy Coates. Sammy, you know, you—you you have a good dialogue with him about Devontae Adams because he is the best receiver in football right now. And we talked last week about how he's pretty much uncoverable. Travis Kelsey is the number two most uncoverable person in the league, Ira. They, it's you said last week, you know, first and goal on the one, they're throwing to Devontae Adams twice. It's the same thing with Kelsey. They get close and they're just buzzing the ball into him. He's unstoppable. He's, he catches the ball and uh, and
1: he's just, he, he's a quiet leader on the sidelines. So it's neat when you're behind the Chiefs. So one other thing I've noticed that Honey Badger, Tyro Matthew, he is, he is the leader of that defense. I mean, Mahomes mm-hmm. is quiet, not in people's faces, but walking up and down talking, but Matthew just is, going crazy, yelling and screaming to everybody. And I, they need that. I mean, the Chiefs Intensity's need someone. Intensity's never been an issue yeah, for him. The Chiefs, <laughs> but the Chiefs need, they need more intensity like that on the yeah. sidelines.
0: Um, let's uh, move on. Steelers and Bills, Ira. I think, we didn't talk that much about this game before, but you had to be a little bit worried. The Bills looked amazing last week. You guys didn't. And here you have Josh Allen coming in, and it looks like he's returned to the forum. We saw after the first six weeks when people had him in the MVP conversation.
1: Well, the Steelers are not a problem because they have all these games being postponed, delayed. They're playing in the middle of the week. Yeah, they've been screwed. And that's been a problem. And the fact that they have, they've lost Devin Bush, their star linebacker, Bud Dupree, their star linebacker, Robert Spillane, who backed them out, is out of the game. They started Marcus Allen, who's really a safety at linebacker. Or they're missing Joe Hayden, their second best quarterback. They're missing their entire offensive line. They're in a total mess, and their wide receivers can't catch the ball. I have never seen <laughs> wide receivers drop balls like this so much. And so you have all that together. They lose to the Redskins when they, the game was under control, and then they have a tough game against the Bills. And I. I have a lot of takeaways from this game. The first takeaway is that the first six drives of the game, there were two first downs between both teams. I really think that uh, Keith Butler, the defensive coordinator for the Steelers, was throwing everything at Allen, forcing interceptions, sacking him. I thought they called a great game, and and I think the Steelers headed and the Steelers were up and, and up seven uh, three, and not saying much. But then Ben threw a pick six right. I mean, it's like they were driving down and making fourteen yeah. three. That pick six at the end of the first half was just devastating uh, in terms of what was going on. But at the, the beginning of the game, third and four, third and six, Ebron, De'Andre John- Johnson, just the drops after easy passes. It was so frustrating to see that. And the Steelers have absolutely no running game whatsoever. Connor had 10 carries for 18 yards. They gained 40 yards. I mean, the Steelers have totally, uh, they can't run the ball at yeah. all. And then the second half comes on, and then finally and then they realize, well, let's, we can do some things. So Josh Allen throws uh, So We talked about Stephon Diggs a lot. It, uh, 10 catches for 130 yards. Just seemed like every play he was making. And it was just, there's nothing the Steelers could have done to stop him in that second half, and then at the end, the Steelers had a nice drive, but Allen, they really, the adjustments uh, that Sean McDermott made at halftime were tremendous, and uh, and clearly the Steelers then were just way out of that game, and just... they starting. The Steelers are starting like Williamson, who was not even on the team last, like two, three weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, they just picked him out. Of the Jets practice squad. Like this is really the Steelers. Just the injuries are catching up to them.
0: They're limping to the finish line here. We got to hope that they get um, get healthier as we get close to the playoffs because they're definitely going to be in there. Um, let's go to Patriots and Rams. And this is one Ira that was make or break for the Patriots season. Maybe make or break for Cam Newton as a starting quarterback in this league. I didn't have much confidence in Cam, and it was worse than I thought it was going to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was ten nothing Rams, and again, the Rams defense is really picking They're it good. up. They're good. They're, they're good. Aaron Donald just plays great. And uh, it was just this one situation where then Cam threw this pick. It was 10 nothing. The Patriots got a pick on on golf, on amazing play. Bryant made a play. And then they turned, then Cam, right the next play, pick six, 17-0. <laughs> game's <laughs> over. The, by the fact that Jared Stidham is in. And now finally, the Rams, I mean, they've gone through this couple years. Now, Cam Akers from Florida State, they drafted him earlier. I know people are drafting in fantasy super high, like where's Cam Akers? Where's Cam Akers? Well, he finally, 30 carries, 171 yards, first 100 yards. Game. So now they've got this whole thing where they got a the quarterback who's not going to hopefully make mistakes, great defense, great, great running backs, great receivers. It's uh, I'm not sold on the Rams. They're nine and four, still not sold. But now the Patriots, this sets up for next week the Patriots at the Dolphins. And the Patriots still have a chance to make the playoffs. I mean, very slight, but if they beat, the, they have to. They have to win all all the three games. But the Dolphins, they could catch the Dolphins, so the Dolphins have to. You know, again, the Patriots at seven, they can finish with nine wins. Dolphins have to win next week.
0: The Rams move up um, in my mental NFC power rankings. Every I, the Rams move up every every uh, week in my power rankings in my head. So we're going to talk to uh, Sammy Coates here in just a few minutes. You had talked a little bucks with him, and you're standing by your uh, bu- bucks in the Super Bowl, and they played the Vikings. And they did more than enough to win?
1: I think they had an extra week off. They're able, they had some of these tough games, and everything about Kansas City, and New Orleans, everything. So they finally get the uh, two weeks off, play the Vikings. Uh, seems like things are getting going. We'll see what happens going forward. But uh, they play Atlanta, two of the last three games. So Tampa Bay is going to be in the Super Bowl, not the Super Bowl, in the playoffs. I think they're going to make the Super Bowl, but it was a good win to win that they had to make.
0: I mean, when you have Tom Brady under center, I think he always gives you the best uh, best chance as far as clutchness goes to get to that Super Bowl. Um, before we talk about tonight's game, how's the playoff shaking out? Well, really, in the NFC, almost everybody
1: still has a chance because the the division uh, the the last playoff spot is seven and six. So you have a, lot, a bunch of teams that are six and seven that have the chance to get in with Arizona at seven six. So even Chicago and Minnesota at six and seven have that chance to get in. Seattle and Tampa are pretty much in, and the East is still up in the air. So you have one con- one division where everybody's up. But in the AFC, again, that's where the Colts are nine and four. Tonight's game between the Browns Huge. and the Ravens. The Ravens are at, at seven and five. Like they go eight and five, and the Browns have nine and three. They can go. I mean, this is huge for the, the both teams. This is key because this could eliminate the Ravens for the. This could not put the Ravens out of the playoffs, which is a team that people thought would go to Super Bowl. And otherwise, the Browns and then a whole mix of what happened. So very, very big Monday Night uh, Show tonight. Well,
0: let's uh, give our pick now, Ira. I, what, we talked before the show, so this is actually Ravens giving three points to Cleveland in Cleveland. Oh. I don't b- agree with that. I think that the Browns win outright. <laughs> I really do I, I I agree with you. I think this I think
1: the Ravens are on fumes. I think this yeah. is the time. I think they're looking for Excuses, And I, I think the Browns out. If the Browns don't come to play, then we know what the Browns, they're almost like, the Browns are a situation like the like Florida or Miami. We're going to talk about cultural in a second. It's like, okay, here's your time to show national television, uh, Monday night football. You don't show up for this game. I'm not sold on Baker. I'm not yep. sold on everything. So this is, it's the fanski. This whole thing, this is like one of those things that everything you've done this entire year, which has been great, could all go out the window if you throw away this game.
0: You are correct. And they were talking about last week versus the Titans being the biggest game of Baker's career. No, this is... Is now and it's on national TV for all of us to see. 718, Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel, just about uh, seven or eight minutes away from Sammy Coates, NFL wide receiver, joining us. Great interview that uh, Ira did with him. Let's go to NCAA. You, you talked about it. How are we looking? Well, it's interesting that
1: Alabama played Arkansas, totally destroyed them, and then all the other teams were mainly off. Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, all these games that were canceled in terms of how it was going to happen. And it was like one of those weird schedules of weird days of games. But the way it shakes out right now is that Notre Dame and Alabama, the fact that the big upset is that Florida lost. And Florida losing to LSU and it's just horrendous in terms of Florida's chances. Because right now, it looks like Bama's in no matter what. They win or lose against Florida, they're in. Notre Dame, win or lose against Clemson, they're in. And Ohio State is really in. I mean, Ohio State has to play Northwestern. They have to win, of course. They lose. They're 22-point favorites. But it looks like those three teams are in. Now, if Clemson beats Notre Dame, they're in. That's four. We're going to call it a day. But what if Clemson loses? And that's going to open up a lot of issues. Because at that point, you have Texas a m that has one loss, but who beat Florida. So Clemson is going to say, well, we have a chance. We have one loss. We got destroyed by Alabama. They played this week against Tennessee. You have Cincinnati who's a 14-point uh, a favorite over Tulsa, the American Conference championship game. They'll be undefeated. They'll say, we're undefeated. We have a chance. Florida's saying, wait, you know what? If we What if Florida ends up beating Alabama? Uh, they might have a claim. That's going to cl- shake everything that up. That would have a claim. USC says, we're undefeated. Um, so I think it really comes down to, really, between Texas a and and even Iowa State are Oklahoma, the winner of the Big Twelve championship, might have a claim, but I really think it comes down to Texas A&M and Cincinnati for that final position. And I don't know where they're going to go. I, I'm going to say Cincinnati because they're going to really? say, you know what? Throw it into a non-power five conference. They're undefeated. Um, Texas A&M had that bad loss to Alabama, but uh, I, mean, I just think so. And I think it's going to come down to Texas A&M or Cincinnati, very, very close to what happens. But that should be the but. Truly, it might not come down to that because what will happen is is Clemson is a twelve point, fa- a nine and a half point favorite of Notre Dame. They should win this game if Clemson is in. And then the, the, what they're going to do is they're not going to have Clemson play Notre Dame again. They'll put they'll play Alabama, would play Notre Dame, and Clemson would play Ohio State. So that's and we're going to know by next Monday because this, this happens on on Saturday. You know, Saturday's gonna be a great day. You have all these games going on: Florida, Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, Northwestern, Cincinnati, Tulsa, even Coastal Carolina and Louisiana. They'll have a, that that game, and and you have all those games. Plus, you have two NFL. NFL games that night uh, playing. So you have Green Bay playing. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's going to be it. Saturday's going to be a great football day.
0: Got a, just a couple of minutes here before we get to Sammy Coates. Let's touch on a few of these games. Alabama just keeps rolling. I.
1: They are amazing. And they totally destroyed Arkansas. It wasn't even close. And it was like, it was one of those things where uh, Mac Jones, 24-29, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. The question is, did Kyle Trask in the LSU game look so poor that maybe Mac Jones has this wrapped up for the uh, Heisman Trophy? I mean, that's what's so weird that happened. Najee Harris was tremendous. I mean, again, I love what Alabama does. Unlike Kansas City, they like they get the game over fast. They were twenty four to three with eleven forty five to, to go in the second half, second quarter, thirty eight three at halftime. And they, you know, they play. He's ninety seven uh, and zero. Nick
0: Saban ninety seven zero against unranked teams. It's uh, no. It's interesting to watch, and I, I think Mac Jones is starting to look better. You know, this Heisman Trophy case, um, uh, Heisman Trophy crown is going to go to somebody. He's making a stronger case for himself, and. We might be going the other direction with Florida, and they played LSU, and this was just not the way you needed to let this season go. Well, it was a weird
1: game. They were a 22-point favorite. I always say, I was so excited about the end of this year, as you never know... LSU was playing with 40 some guys. They actually, by the end of the game, had 45 scholarship players. You saw they were just blown up by Alabama. They were three and five going in the game. Terrible year for LSU. And they come in there and chose what pride is. They started a freshman, Max Johnson, and the fog came in. You think the fog's coming in. It's going to benefit Florida, the swamp. That's what it's called. But all Florida tried to do, Dan Mullen, I have no idea, throwing these 30-yard and 40-yard bombs the whole game, sort of what Arians says with Brady, when the receivers couldn't see in the fog. It made no sense. When you have defensive backs, LSU was starting defensive backs that were walk-ons. Just throw it to these, through these wide receivers and let them make plays. They were in trouble the whole game. They were fighting back. It was a mess. And then it all came down to the end of the game when it was Florida, when, when uh, Marco Wilson, for Florida. They stopped LSU. It was tied. The game is tied. They stop LSU deep in their own territory. They stop them. The punt team comes on. Next thing I know is Marco Wilson picked the guy who's tackled up this shoe and throws it 60 yards. That Why would take his shoe off his foot and throw it and not think that's a penalty? It's almost like it's fixed. Giving them unsportsmanlike conduct first down. LSU drives down, kicks a field goal, takes a three-point lead and Florida comes down and misses the field goal. Game over. Season over. Heisman Trophy over. Everything over. They just threw away this game. It's just a horrendous performance on Florida. They really, this is, again, example. Trask had two touchdowns, two interceptions, but he didn't have one of his traditional games. Why Kyle Pitts didn't play. They said he was hurt, not hurt. Pitts said he was good enough to play. That's um, bizarre. They just took this team too lightly, and this is what shows what I love about college
0: football. Um, so speaking of taking teams lightly, how many times have I said on this show, Ira, that I'm so worried— When the University of Miami gets locked up in these weird ACC games, they seem to always find ways to lose to teams they shouldn't lose to. And I'm the idiot who was on this show a couple of weeks ago saying, UNC is ranked. Well, they destroyed Miami yesterday. Or it this was
1: weekend. One of, probably one of the worst losses. My the the worst bad. under some scenarios. I mean, they lost sixty-two to twenty-six. Uh, Miami had won five in a row. They were headed to the Orange Bowl. They were complaining. They're saying we should be in the national championship picture. Like again, they were saying we were going to have one loss mm-hmm. or only one loss is to Clemson. We should be in the master, national championship picture. The storyline in this game is Manny Diaz coached for Mac Brown at Texas. After one of the games, Texas gave up five hundred fifty yards to BYU, um, and Taysom Hill from New Orleans had two hundred fifty <laughs> yards. Manny Diaz was fired. By the end of the day, as defensive coordinator, so they've always had this problem. But this is one of those situations where Michael Carter, who has now a thousand yards, Devontae Williams has over a thousand yards and sixteen touchdowns. They amassed seven, almost. 800 y- I mean, uh, stats are unbelievable. Um, 800 yards against Miami's defense. <laughs> 225 yards rushing, uh, passing, 554 yards running. I mean, it was the most in uh, the, the most point uh, ever given up by Miami since 1944. Third most points ever given up. Michael Carter had 308 yards. One rack had 308, and Javante Williams, 230. It's like high school. It's like when you see these high school football games that was so crazy. The, the UNC average. Ten yards a carry. They had ten rushes over twenty yards. This again, this is like when you see high school, when you see a quad A school playing someone, they're not gonna play. There was a play where uh Devontae Michael Carter was running. He got he broke two tackles, literally was stopping there, and the Miami defensive back just stood there and he just like ran him over. They on from a dead stop. It was a terrible performance. It was just you can't even make anything. It was it was the most rushing yards by teammates in the history of the FBS. UNC probably should get to now goes to the Orange Bowl, and uh, it was a disaster. It takes away everything. Miami. Herb Street said in the middle of the first quarter, he said, "If they get blown out of this game, everything the Miami's done this year is now in the trash. Gone. It's gone. totally gone because they they shut out Duke last week. Nobody cares. that Miami <laughs> shuts out Duke. Like your defense is so good, and you give eight hundred yards in a football game. That's unheard of." It,
0: it, Ira, I'm with you on this one, man. Out the window. Me, you, and Herb Street. Just What a way to, to let this season go. It's even worse than not Florida. Um, any other games you want to touch on? I know you want to talk boxing before we get to San Cooks.
1: <laughs> yeah, just real quick. Um, USC, UCLA. This is USC 1. I, first of all, I love this game. I was at the game. They both wear home jerseys. It's very colorful. It's in the Rose Bowl. One of the best games to go to forever, have a chance to go see a game. But Kenan Slovis, their great quarterback to St. Brown, sort uh, to of touchdown to win the game. They have now five wins, three. In the final one minute of the game, I mean, Thanks. USC has just done that. But they're only five and zero, so they're probably not in the in the mix. And uh, Georgia. His only losses this year. Talk about a team that's upset. Their only losses was to Bama and Florida, and they finally found the quarterback in JT Daniels the whole year. They're like, why didn't JT Daniels, a transfer from USC, who got beat out by Slovis? So the point is, what Georgia next year is a team, people are really looking at, is going to be a, a very good team. And then uh, Auburn. One of the one last thing was Auburn beat Mississippi State, but then uh, uh, Gus Mazam gets fired after the game with a twenty-two. Million, first of all, he just signed a seventy-seven million contract two Crazy. years ago, and he's this is we talked on the show. He's beat Alabama 3 times. The whole SEC hasn't beat us in the last 8 years. The whole SEC hasn't beat Alabama 3 times. It's only beat him 3 times. So, and they still fire the coach. Amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely uh, insane that that is what it is. Um speaking of uh, Auburn though, we catch up with Sammy Coates, Auburn legend in just a second. But uh, Ira, you are so excited about this upcoming fight between Joshua and Pulev. Well I was the fight happened yesterday I'm, upset. I'm excited because of Joshua
1: Fury. Oh, Anthony I'm sorry. Joshua was a gold medalist in 2012, 2016 won the title, beat Klitschko to win all the titles, was cruising along as being this great 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 fighter of all time. He took Andy Ruiz totally. He came in two you know two build up two bulk to 2018 lost and then won the fight back. And now he hasn't. Now this is his chance now. His next fight, Pulo's the number one contender. He looked great. Joshua dominated the fight. Looked the, like the old Anthony Joshua. And this sets up now a mega fight with Tyson Fury, who we know beat Devontae Wilder as the two 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, mm-hmm. heavyweights. Uh, Wilder has one loss. Fury's undefeated. They're saying it's the best uh, fight, heavyweight fight since 1971, Ollie Frazier. This is going to happen in like seven, eight months, hopefully in front of like 100,000 fans, English heavyweights. Um, this is going to be a great fight. But it just, the fact that Joshua showed that that loss to Ruiz is long gone, that he just took had you know, was one mistake that he made, and now he's back, and against Fury, and they're both showmen entertainers, it's going to be a big fight.
0: Let's get to Sammy
1: Coates here on Iron Sports. This is Iron Sports, 95.9, 9, 106.9 uh, in West Palm Beach. We have Sammy Coates, uh, former NFL and, and going to be soon, hopefully again, NFL football wide receiver, and superstar out at Auburn. Uh, Sammy, thanks a lot for coming on Iris Sports. Thanks for having me. So, <laughs> Sammy, we could just jump right to maybe the Steeler game yesterday. I mean, you know, here you are. You are, you know, had a great, t- you know, couple years with the Steelers. Uh, seemed to have some trouble catching some balls last night. And we were talking earlier that you think that it's just maybe a slump situation with the team.
2: You know, once you put mentally put that in your head, as you drop one, then it come two, then it come three. Now it's all mental. Is it's nothing else but mental, and it's a slump now. Now you got to break that bad habit. And once one got dropped, once contagious, now you got two drops, now you got three t- drops. This is how sports works. Until you get back, get your groove back, it, you'll always be down on yourself. Wow, so you grew up in Leroy,
1: Alabama. It's a population of nine, 911. <laughs> but I saw there were like two, and two major league baseball players went there, like another yeah. NFL player. Amazingly athletic yeah. town for 911 people.
2: You know, it's a small area, you know, but you know everybody. Everybody in the town know everybody. Um, the guy you talking about to play baseball is Philip Irvin. We played together in high school. He was my quarterback, actually, in high school before he left. Um, he's a great player. Still plays now. I think Mania King went to Alabama. He went to the NFL for a while. It's about three or four of us that came out, but it's rare. Wow. You know, so it's like when me and Philip came out before that, it was like 20 years. <laughs> so it's like... We kinda of changed the culture there, you know, it's it's a big football place, football and baseball, so that's all you got is sports there. You ain't got much else to do. You ain't got a lot of, a lot of restaurants, and not like stuff like that. It's all just sports. Did you play
1: Friday nights
2: or is it Saturdays? Friday. So Friday nights must have been huge in that town for uh, football. football, and you go to one of the high school football games you think you had a college game.
1: <laughs> so I had looked on the map and I said, well you went to Auburn, but how close were you to Alabama? But it looks like you were like two and a half hours to Auburn and three to Tuscaloosa. I wasn't sure exactly, but it looks like it's.
2: You- to Tuscaloosa I think it was three and a half to Auburn is three, it's like one this way the other one this way so why did you choose to go to auburn over alabama? Um, alabama never offered me they wanted me to come to a camp like i did to get my auburn offer and i was like i just don't want to go to another camp uh, i want to go through that hassle again it was a lot so i was like you know i'm gonna commit to auburn uh, i visited. i like the campus i love the games i love the atmosphere so i was like i'm done i don't want to keep trying did you go to where you were did you think of any other school um i actually went to the year when julio was at alabama with the every last home game at in Tuscaloosa. wow yep but they never really offered me, they, they'll, they'll tell me they want to offer me, want me to come up and visit, they want me to come to a camp, and I was like, oh, I don't wanna do that.
1: So that was Gus Malzon, who we, in the big in the news right now, who was let go by Auburn. Was he recruiting you, or was that another, group who, who recruited so, you? So,
2: Malzahn was the offensive coordinator at the time. Gene Chizik was the head coach. Um, Malzon used to come watch me play basketball. <laughs> so Malzon and Trooper Taylor was my recruiting people, and they used to come watch me play basketball and stuff, so that was pretty cool. Um, they really sold it for me, Troop, and Mileson did a great job, you know, with my family and just with the whole situation. So it was, it was kind of no brainer.
1: Wow. So your sophomore year, your team goes twelve and two. You had forty two catches, nine or two yards, seven touchdowns. I mean, you look at the teams you beat. You beat A and M, who was ranked seventh at the time. Georgia, twenty fifth. You beat Bama, who was first at the time, and, and you beat Missouri in the SEC title game. So you won the SEC title, everything, and you play in the BCS game against Florida State. Talk about that year being on a team that is playing every weekend. You're playing on three thirty on CBS, big games,
2: you know. That season was something that I don't think Auburn ever see again. That year we played like three or four teams in the top ten at the time, and every game was bigger than the next one. It was like, oh, man, we, we don't have time to relax. You know, we went from Texas A&M, we had to play LSU. We lost to LSU that year. So after LSU beat us, we was like, oh, man, I don't know what we're going to do now. we thinking like, oh, we out of it, we out of it. Then we beat Texas A&M and Texas A&M. That sparked something for us. It was just like, after that, it was like, we can do this. Then we just went on the road beating everybody
1: and then the championship game was in the Rose Bowl and I was there I went to that game I sat next behind Charles Barkley and he was I mean he'd be excited to have you on this show but I sat right behind him and he was the greatest I mean I talk about I mean Barkley was talking to every fan wasn't like in some skybox yeah. or whatever it was so much fun but that was a crazy game because I always say they brought the boxes out for like the hats the championship hats to uh, Florida State and then they brought them back they brought them back to Auburn and brought them back you could just see the same guy walking back and forth with all the hats and finally you guys just barely lose that game
2: man that was a crazy game. It's one of those things that when they say football is a game of inches, inches, it really is. You know, a, a block punt, um, a fake, a fake punt goes for a first down. Um, a kickoff return goes for a touchdown. Two plays that we make those stops we win the game by two touchdowns. Wow. That's how that's how, how football works. It's just two plays, special team plays that change the whole game.
1: Yeah, and it must have been so exciting. You know, That's when the BCS started, There wasn't the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. It must have been so exciting. You had four catches, 61 yards in a game. Just playing the national stage like that, finally, that just been so exciting.
2: You know, it was, at first I was a little a skeptical because I was getting double team, you know, I wasn't really getting balls, but every time it was like a big third down, I get the ball and it was like, I want a touchdown. You know, being a selfish player, like any other guy that would be in a national game, but when I seen the other guys were doing really good, I was actually excited and I was more motivated to make those big third down catches. <laughs> Who was covering
1: you from Florida State that game do
2: you um them? god they had the guy that went in first round the db the year after that he didn't leave that year he left the next year they had two good players and they had both of them on my side oh no yes yeah, so that's it was, not fair no it was, it was pretty fun
1: and then you come back your junior year you had 34 catches 741 yards four touchdowns your second team all sec uh and you graduated that year too yep. and uh in the iron bowl how about this and against Alabama, five catches, 206 yards, mm-hmm. and two touchdowns. I mean, to catch I mean, that's Devonte Smith type numbers.
2: Yeah, um, that year was a lot of people know I, I tore my n- meniscus at the beginning of the season, and I had to wear a knee brace the whole year, a offensive line knee brace. So oh, that no. year was like something that kind of molded me into being a tough guy because I played through what I played through, but it came back and bit me in my butt when I went to the next level. You know, so that's the one thing about sports that a lot of people don't understand. Is like when you got guys banged up in college, they want to push through it, but eventually they'll come back and catch up to you. Oh no, yeah. that's not <laughs>
1: um, And then talk a little about Gus Malzahn. I mean, here's your coach. He's he he was just let go after eight years. Uh, had a record of uh, it was just 68 and 25, 39-27 in conference. He w- went to the national championship game. We talked to the Super Bowl and the Peach Bowl, uh, and he was he has three wins against Alabama. The entire SEC has. Three wins against Alabama, so I mean it's and then they and they let him go. And, and what's your what was your relationship with him and those things?
2: Um, Malzahn is a great great person. You know, he always wanted you to be the best man, not to just be the best player. That's one thing I, I really took from him. Um, I still talk to him. I still text him all the time. Um, he's a phenomenal guy, phenomenal coach. You know, sometimes in football it just. That's how it is. That's the business of the world. You know, you gotta win, 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 win in the SEC. If you ain't winning, it's like you ain't doing good enough. You know, so if you ain't winning championships, it's like, up. Oh, the next guy gotta try to win now. So it's, Malzahn, he gonna land on his feet and be a great coach somewhere. But other than that, he taught me a lot. He built me, molded me into the man I am today
1: well he was noted when he was in high school and there was an an assistant as this genius offensive coordinator the the, the hurry up offense and with you he had Nick Marshall with you as a quarterback just couldn't get that next quarterback then that felt that you know to run his offense the right way
2: you got to be able to do a lot with his offense if you're not a quarterback that can be mobile and read really good you won't do well in his offense so that's why Nick Marshall did so well he was able to pick up and learn and he was so athletic like Nick was probably one of the most athletic kids I've ever been played a sport with, and he can do things that certain guys can't do just at that level. And that's why he made the offense look so special. And the guys now, it's harder for them because I, I don't know. I think defense has changed from when we played it. Defense is starting to pick up on that kind of offense, you know. So it's the players now, the whole scheme changed on defenses from when we played. And now you got guys as fast as like your fast guys on defense, like your fast. Like it's, it's all about this game. Then once the defense picked up on, it, it's kind of hard. So now you got to find another way.
1: Yeah, I noticed. Also, when I go to all these games and see Antonio Brown when the Steelers run the hurry up offense, they, um, it's. It's as a wide receiver. You're you running down thirty yards down the field. Then if they don't throw it to you, you have to run back to the line because they're going to run the next play. They don't just go into a to a to a huddle.
2: Yeah, that's one thing about being a receiver. You got to be in shape. You got to be able to run all day. You know, that's that's probably one of the hardest things. That's why you have a lot of hem screens and little, <laughs> little crazy screens because all you do is run, 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 run. You know, so it's it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of challenges and it comes with a lot of. Cons.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so then you graduated and then you went to the combine. And um, we talk about the combine on the show a lot. I've had some trainers on there, but uh, you did great at the combine. You had, I think, the, the most uh, bench presses of any wide receiver there. And just talk about the whole experience of the combining, the pro days, all that went into it.
2: You know, the combine, I'll say, is probably one of the most tiring things in the world because <laughs> everything's on a schedule. It's really scraped out. You know, you got to talk with the coaches. You got to go sit in these meetings. You got to go do this. You got to do that. And you know, to the doctor's office. I went to the, I probably went to the hospital eight times for MRIs, so <laughs> it was. it's like a process. That you weren't hurt, you just went because they wanted to see something. <laughs> so the thing is, once you, like, so I had the meniscus in college, I never got it fixed, so every team that I went into, they wanted me to go get another MRI. I don't care if I already got one with another team, it's like, oh, you can go get another MRI, so then I, I go see another team doctor, I would need to get an MRI. I just did three of them, it, it was just a whole exhausting thing, then you had to wake up early for the 40, and your body's not ready, and it, it was a process. That Combine's a lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then, did you know you were gonna get drafted by the Steelers, did you have a good idea that was gonna be, or it just happened?
2: Um, to be honest, I, I visit Pittsburgh, and I visit a few more of the teams, um, but I didn't think they was gonna drop me in the third round. I really thought I was gonna go to the Patriots the next round, the fourth round. And I remember talking to Billy Belichick at the Pro Day, he was there at our Pro Day, and I did really good at pro day when it came to running routes and stuff, and that's what everybody kept saying, oh yeah, he can go to the Patriots fourth round, fourth round, and I got the phone call from Mike Tomlin in the third round, I was like, oh, this is, you know, but it was, it was a good 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 place to start off your career, and I learned a lot from Coach Tomlin. <laughs> so
1: you, you show up at the Steelers, and Antonio Brown is clear number one, clear one number one receiver. And then you were competing with Wheaton, Hayward Bay, and martinez Riven was suspended. So you were set at, you know, coming there as a rookie in a good position in terms of getting some action there.
2: You know, that group we had was a solid group and a lot of people don't understand that. You know, Marcus was really good. He was the one he had some really big games down the scratch for us. Darius Hay Bay was a first rounder. Um Antonio Brown's Antonio Brown. You know, it's nobody in the NFL that works harder than that guy. He's one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. Um, In that group, coming into the situation I came in with a veteran quarterback like Ben, it was kind of hard for me because. I'm coming, I can't be slacking because I got somebody that's been doing this for 10 plus years as a quarterback, so he knows things or two, you know? So it was, it was one of those things I was nervous, but I wasn't nervous, I was like, I gotta make Ben like me. That was one of the things trying to get on the same page as Ben with a guy like that that's so smart and just know the game inside out, and I'm a guy coming from not a pro style offense. I came from more of a, a creative offense of a man that created it to his own liking. So I had a lot to catch up on. That was probably the hardest part about being in that situation.
1: Well, did you like say, Ben, after practice, would you throw me the ball some? Or he, is he sort of just went home? He didn't really want to do that. It ain't
2: no thing like that with Ben. Ben, When Ben's done, he's done. <laughs> You'll you be throwing with the backup quarterback. <laughs>
1: And, uh, and what about your relationship with Antonio Brown? Like how was that, would you run roots with him? What was he, was he you know showing you stuff? i tell you,
2: AB is one of the guys that give you the shirt off his back. He would teach you all the ropes, tell you what you're doing wrong, how you doing it. That's one thing about him I did love as a teammate was that he didn't ever feel like he was too good that he wouldn't work with you or didn't invite you to come do something with him. Wow. Yeah. That's
1: good, and then I mean, you had it was it was just super exciting to be there. I mean, Le'Veon Bell was there at the time. Just a great a great set for the Steelers.
2: Um, that year was like the year I think we lost to the Broncos. That's my rookie year, yeah. and um, that year we should have won the Super Bowl. <laughs> I think that team we had was it was more together, than I think, than most teams would I played with, and we just had too many injuries at the wrong time. A B got knocked out. Bell tore his ACL against the Browns. It was like okay. Now guys got to step up. that haven't really been playing in this role. Now you got to try to create chemistry with these guys that you know haven't been playing all year. I came in a Broncos game. I haven't played since week ten. You know, so it was like, oh crap. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then the next year, what? And I remember that next year a lot because you you in the Bengals game. You had, two, uh, you had a, 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 a two receptions, 97 yards, ran, and a touchdown. And then the Jets game the following week, you had six catches, 139 yards. So you're really going on I a up in fantasy. I think it's great. But then I heard that you broke your fingers. And I'm like, I just don't, how, you know, my, my mom goes, I go, oh, I'm starting next week in fantasy. And my mom goes, I don't think you can start a guy who has broken fingers in fantasy. <laughs> and you're playing the Dolphins. I go, we're coming to the Dolphins game because you were playing Steelers. Yeah. We playing the Dolphins. Like, I got to see him play. I watch warmups. You're catching everything in warmups. I go, I'm starting you. And then you didn't really, you didn't know, that yeah. good
2: gave that game. And that after I broke my finger, um, it was like one of those mental things. I was like, I was always afraid of something else, or something else gonna happen. And the first six games, I was doing really good. I felt like I was, that was a moment that I thought I was gonna push and this is gonna be my best year. It's gonna be my spark in my career. And it ended up being one of the hardest years of my life. You know, um, After that season, I had three surgeries in the off season. So it was like something after another, you know, and that mentally screwed me up for a while. Like mentally, once you get mentally screwed, it's hard to come back from it. And I think that year really did, it was up, up, and it was down, 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 down. Oh no, that's, <laughs>
1: that's, that's, and that year was weird at the end of the season. The Steelers lost to the Patriots, 36-17, mm-hmm. and then it I thought that was the year that we had it all going with the, with the we. I'm saying the Steelers, I'm yeah. talking to a Steeler here. That was the year that, that it was probably gonna be Super Bowl year, but uh just didn't happen.
2: Yeah, that, I think my rookie year was the best chance I thought we should have won. You know, it came down to that game. We had that fumble. That was a big turnout. We driving, driving down. We had that fumble. That was big. And after that, it was like, oh man, now we gotta try to figure something else out. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then, the Steelers trade you to the, to the because
1: they drafted Juju, and they mm-hmm. decided to trade you to the Browns, and so then you played in the Browns in 2017.
2: You know, that year was, you know, I, I tell people all the time, like, once you get in a situation like that, you mentally are defeated. You know, um, they traded me the week we played the Steelers. You know, they traded me to the Browns, and I played, I had to, I drove from Steelers to the Browns facility on Sunday, and started practice Sunday, and played the Steelers next Sunday. <laughs> so it was they, like- But
1: you knew all the calls. I mean, sometimes teams don't do that because you would know all the plays and- at, I
2: mean, at the time, Brown was going through a transition. Like, nobody was, like, it was all young players. Like, I was considered a vet, that was my third year. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like the oldest person in the wide receiver room besides Kenny Britt. You know, so it was like, oh crap, what am I, What what's going on, you know, and that's one of those things. You had it's one of the things that taught you a lot, but it also brought you down a lot.
1: And then after the game you probably had to meet all the Steelers after the game play with it.
2: Was, the- it was kind of funny, though, know, right before I was on kickoff and I knew all those guys and they just all came to me and like trying to block me. It was like this is the funniest thing in the world. Like I can't believe I'm going against these guys I just got drafted with two years ago, three years ago. And it's one of those things though. You it's one thing about football, it will build and mold you into a stronger person.
1: And what, and what about playing for Tomlin? I mean, there is, it's, he comes across as being a great players coach. People love him. But what was your uh, reaction? Oh, yeah, he's
2: he's an honest man. Like, he's, he don't hold details from you. What what's, what they talking about, you don't know about it. And, you know, um, they give you plenty of chance. He'll tell you in front of the team what the situation is. He's an honest guy. He's a players coach. He's the same person that you see talking on TV. He's the same person in the locker room. He's the same person talking to the team like he don't have two faces, you know, He's the same guy all the time. Wow.
1: And they uh the idea that Ben and Tony Brown and Le'Veon Bell, did you sense? I mean, people after the fact, they always
2: say they, did you sense any friction like that or was it was it just is it something people just talk about after the fact? To be honest, when I was there, I, you would not know anything was was happening like it was funny when I seen all that cuz I was with the Browns I think then or Houston. Houston. I was with Houston when all that went down, I was like Surprised me. I don't know what happened when I left, but when I was there, I thought it was like they had the best duel, you know? The Bumblebees, the three Bumblebees whatever they used to call, you know, so it was like, I was just weird when I saw all that and heard all that.
1: So you went down to Texans and you played for Bryan in, 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 in Texas. Now he, yeah. you know, there's some questions with him with receivers, with Hot Trading Hopkins and everything like that.
2: <laughs> you know, Bill O'Brien, the type of guy, if you're not his guy. I don't think he really clicks with those guys. and um. No, I, I didn't I didn't understand that whole situation either. You know, I was there with him and I thought him and Hobb had a good relationship. You know, Hobb is one of the best players in the NFL. I don't care what nobody say. He's just naturally gifted. And when I watched him play, it was like, yeah, I, he's gonna be here for a long time. That's what I thought when I was at I was like, he's gonna be a Texan for a long time. Like and when I seen that trade and I seen the value of the trade they gave for him, I was like, this is gonna be the biggest mistake of the whole the whole team, the whole organization. This is one of the biggest mistakes. And guess what it ended up being? One of the biggest mistakes they ever made. And he lost his job. <laughs> and that's, it's just some things you can't, like common sense don't add up. Like that trade did not add up. Like what is going on? Deontay Hopkins the, one of the best receivers in the world with a quarterback that got chemistry with this receiver. So let's go ahead and trade him. Don't make sense. I don't know. We're talking to Sammy Coates, uh, NFL wide receiver
1: uh, for the Steelers and star, and star at Auburn. Um, so then, you know, I noticed that about, let's go back, jump back to Bill Bryan, when he came to Penn State, I'm a big Penn State fan, grew up watching following them. I mean, it was like, there were a lot of players on the team that had this reputation as being great players and they just, they were gone, like the next year. And, and, and it's like, they didn't know. I mean, they didn't know why they were gone. I mean, these, these aren't bad, play, bad, you know, they were, they were hard workers and everything, so
2: yeah he's a different guy you gotta understand him you gotta be around I guess you gotta just be around him long enough to understand him I think when I was there you know I felt like it was like you have some beef but you have no like it was always up and down with him and I think that was one of the problems that I think happened with him and Hawk wow and then last year, well, you had sort of part of the year, it was exciting, you,
1: you decided to go the XFL route and try that, and that's, you know, people were like, that league was catching on. I mean, people, a lot of my friends, I was watching some of the games, it seemed like it was gaining traction and then everything fell apart.
2: That, that league, I thought would've did really really well if the coronavirus went ahead. When all that happened, I think it was on a trot, so we started, started off with like 30, 20, 25,000 people in the stands. About midway through the season, we was ending up to like 45, to sixty people in the stands, sixty thousand people in the stands, like the game is getting packed. Like fans know everything about you. They <laughs> like it was it was start. Actually, it was it was a lot funner than most most sports most sports teams I played with because it was like the players had a lot more say so in what was going on, and that's important in anything you do. If the players got some, the guys is actually going out there putting it on the line, got say so in something, it makes a big difference on how successful something's going to be. Who, who's your quarterback in Houston? Um, I had p j oh wow, yep he's with Carolina right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was good.
1: What about the rules? you know different types of rules was that hard to get used to is it is it what was it one foot in and not two foot in what was it for yeah you get you?
2: you get one foot in it's okay. like the college um the another rule you couldn't leave on a punt until the ball was punted. so that was pretty weird. um the kickoff was really weird. You started on like the the i think the forty five but but you five yards apart. Oh, so wow. you can't leave until the returner catches the ball. So it was like, okay, you got to get used to this. It was different.
1: <laughs> so, um, so what are you doing now? Like, so you had the you had the the time in the XFL. You're working out. You're in great shape. How do you get now from your perspective? How do you get back into the league?
2: You know, just keep you keep pushing. You know, you don't give up. And the hardest thing about it, it's easy to give up. And it's hard to keep fighting. And the reason why it's easy to give up because you know. I can just go do a normal thing. I can just go get me a normal job and just work and and just be normal. But that's the easy route. Um, for me, I think it's just challenging myself to keep fighting because I know what kind of player I'm capable to be. And once once I had this time off and I coached, I had went and coached at Jensen Beach High School, and I got around those kids, I was like, I really took my mind out of how much I love this sport because so much bad that happened to me in this sport. And I found that back, and I got it back, got my mentality back that, I could be great, and once I did that, I felt like I know now. I just got to keep fighting.
1: You saw from the high school kids. I mean, that's what people talk about. They're like, they these kids aren't playing for the money; not playing. They just love playing football.
2: You forget it sometimes. You especially when you make it to that level. You know, it's so much play into that. It's a business. It's one of the. the the cutthroat business in the world. And once you get there, you start thinking like that. Oh, this, I'm a cutthroat person. Then I humbled myself when I went to go coach these kids, and I see these kids out here giving it all, like they putting everything they got to win one high school game, and they crying after the game, or they, this, this, like, this meant so much to I them. Mean, I lost big games, but I didn't cry, you know, like, and you find out, like, that was me. That was, that's how much I used to love this game. Then I let a few bad things happen to me. I let it take the love out of the game from me. Then I found that with just a little time off, a little time hanging around real football again. You know, what high school is, them kids gonna give you all they got. They wanna win. You know, and, and sometimes you forget that, especially as you, the higher you go. Sometimes you forget how much you love it and why you do it.
1: Wow, and then, so you're in great shape so for next year, coming up, you're gonna, I mean, this year was crazy with the coronavirus, I mean, it was, must have been hard even latching on a team because, <laughs> you know, everybody, They, they could even, Denver couldn't even bring a quarterback in because they weren't allowed with, with testing and everything yep. to bring it. so it must have been very, someone like you who was like, who was just in the league last year was probably difficult to jump back this year into a team because of all the restrictions for the coronavirus. You
2: know, I'm, I'm always gonna be waiting, I'm always gonna be patient, I'm always gonna work, and what I gotta learn now is, when I get that next opportunity, I can't let it slip through my fingers. And I think that was my biggest problem. You know, When I got traded to the Browns, I think I, I took it as a wrong way. I took it the wrong way. I took it as like, nobody don't want me, or I should've took it as, I got another chance. And now that I had this time off and I got to really put my mind into what I love, I found that when I get that next chance, I don't care where it's at, who is with. It ain't slipping through my hands.
1: Oh, wow. I love that attitude. I love that attitude. We're, again, we're talking to Sammy Coates on Iron Sports 95.9, 9, 106.9. Um, so talk about well, I was gonna talk about some of the games yesterday. It, just, it was a weird day. A lot of blowouts, but uh, the Dolphins, I was at the Dolphins-Chiefs game. Uh, how about, I mean, they might have called you. They were losing every wide receiver in the game. I had like three wide receivers and a tight end go out. They, they really, it was, it was weird how the Dolphins, and one thing I don't understand about the Chiefs is they seem to let, they just seem to do enough to win they just don't want to blow. they don't blow the teams out by like 30 points they just they do enough to win their games
2: I'll tell you what if you don't learn if you don't slow down Mahomes from what he loved to do is play a passion game if you don't take the pa- like his passing away you ain't gonna never beat the Chiefs his arm is the reason why the Chiefs are winning if you can find a way to stop his arm <laughs> you will beat the Chiefs which that's unstoppable you know so <laughs> you got one of the fastest kids in the world he throw to he can throw the ball up 50 yards down the field past him he's gonna go catch it so what you do with that I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell, but uh, Dolphins started off really good. They caught a couple pits on Patrick, um, which is never that's, you, never happens to anybody. They caught two, three, I think. And they had momentum, but it's like they never had enough momentum, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how you got to have Once you get that momentum, you got to take it to the Chiefs. You can't let up. You can't punt the ball back to Mahomes too many times. You got to take advantage of those pick sixes. You got to, you know what I mean? Like, you got to take advantage of pits and make them in touchdowns instead of three points. And what about
1: the, uh, the Steelers game last night? I mean, I just, I just, I mean, talk about just a punch to the gut of a game. But it's weird how the Steelers are going to this offense. Now they're saying Ben's arm is shot. He's not throwing down the field. But you have all those good wide receivers. And it seems like that's what they've been doing the last few weeks in terms of, you know, five yards, seven yard passes. But when you have third and four and DeAndre Johnson doesn't catch the ball,
2: then suddenly you have to punt the ball. You know, the Steelers are banged up. Just watch under them, guys. You know, um, I've been around them. I can tell when they banged up and when they full speed. People, like, I guess how you put this, like, people don't understand. The Steelers won nine games in a row. Nine out of ten. That is unheard of nowadays to win that many games, especially in the NFL. They played shit out football. It was some ugly games. Yeah, that's that's NFL. You're always going to have ugly games, but they won nine games in a row. And eventually, some stuff is gonna start to leak in, like fatigue for playing for so long. You know, running a lot of routes. And they, they they've been running a lot of routes. Some guys scoring three to four touchdowns a game, five touchdowns. So it's gonna catch up to you. Now it's about how can we get this rest. You, these guys young. They don't know about this season. Still got like four more games before the season over. Before you get to the next to to the playoffs. So these guys are young. That fatigue catch up to these young guys. It did me like that. I was like, dang, it's a long season. Ain't like college. Play 12 games, you done, you know, you good, you good. <laughs> In the NFL, after you get to 12, you still got three more games. You know, like you still got more games, then you got the playoffs.
1: And then let's talk about Tampa Bay a little bit. Because I've seen two of their games. I'm just so intrigued by the fact that you put Godwin and, and Mike Evans and Antonio Brown together with Tom Brady and Gronkowski. Now, these are the veteran guys that are playing. And it's just taking them. It's, I mean, I'm still holding I think Tampa's going to the Super Bowl. I'm on that bandwagon. I'm the only one, I think, on it. But I still think. But what do you see about what's going on with Tampa? Why haven't they just clicked just yet? And will they
2: ever click? Yes. And when they click, it's going to be scary. The thing is. <laughs> You got a whole bunch of different athletes on one team. And you gotta figure out how do we bounce this out to make it work. You try, you gonna try as much stuff you can because you got so much talent to do it with. You got a, a guy that can scratch the field. You got a tight end that can scratch the field. You got a receiver that can do anything you possibly want him to do. He can go catch punts if you want him to. And you got a good one. just an all around receiver. Like he can run routes, he can do this. Then you got the number 10 He's scoring touchdowns 80 yards. I don't like they got so much talent, just trying to figure out the place to run with this talent takes time. You know, how you gonna get this timer down? You got these so many athletes, all of them different speeds, all of them run routes different. Tom Brady got a lot to pick through right here. If he threw an out to on Grump, out Grump gonna be different than Mike Evans. You know, so trying to learn fill these guys out, new guys and Tom been with Grump for so long, whatever, but now you got a whole bunch of different crafter guys that you gotta learn all over again. It's like, he's this his first year with these new guys, and he's still winning. So imagine when they start getting on the same page with all this talent, who's gonna beat him? <laughs> you ain't got enough guys.
1: <laughs> well, I guess, I guess the one, of the, one of the teams that is trying to beat him would be Green Bay, and with the idea is when you watch Devontae Adams and you're like, well, they really have one star wide receiver, why is he catching 10 balls, 180 yards, Like, can't these teams shut him down? And it seems like, that's
2: like you're just waiting for that to happen against the Packers. Well, they got so much chemistry, it doesn't matter what you do on defense. Like Adams and, and Rogers' chemistry is unreal. You can watch. And Rogers is a good, great quarterback, you know. And when he just stands to play, what that does to a DB, he lose track of Adams. That's why Adams and be all like that. And Rogers get the ball in his hand fast. You can't do anything if he running a three-yard route and he throw a perfect timing ball and he catch and run. That's just chemistry, you know, a bubble. He threw a bubble. They can't put three guys to stop a bubble. You gotta stay in, in your lanes. Mm-hmm. So they, they use him the right way. They move him around. You can't double-team him every time because they put him in the middle, you double-team you're gonna lead the wide open outside. They got other players that's really good but the only one that stand out is who? Adams, because he take advantage of every time the ball is in the way, it's his ball. It's, and that's why they, that camera like that. That's why you can't stop that. And one last team. I mean, we're intrigued by Seattle because for the last couple of
1: years, Russell Wilson has just never been perfect. Never thrown interceptions, and this year suddenly he has these two great wide receivers in Lockett and Metcalf, and he's throwing interceptions, throwing interceptions in end zones. Now they beat the Jets last, you know. But what what do you think? What do you think? How they write the ship there in, in Seattle? But playing the Jets helps you write the ship. They
2: got to get their run game going back. When they run, they had a lot of. Injuries and mm-hmm. in, in the backfield. So once they get their run game going, that offense will become that offense they was, they were like four or five games ago. The problem is the run game ain't going. So now they're focusing more on Dunkirk to stop the pass. So now everybody's focusing on stopping the pass because the run game haven't been doing so good. Once they get their run game going, they're going to be the same team that, was, that started off the season. Wow! And
1: to just jump here to, to college,
2: we got Sammy Coates who, we're We're picking your brain. Yeah, this is
1: great to get all this insight. I mean. The Florida game, LSU. Talk about it. LSU shows up to Florida, getting having one of the worst years you can imagine. Supposedly they had less than fifty players. By the players getting hurt in the game, they were almost playing walk ons the whole time. How do they beat this Florida team? How did they stop Kyle Trask? why was Kyle Trask trying to throw fifty yard bombs in the middle of a fog?
2: You know, trying to do those things. You know, one thing about football is that you get comfortable. You get you get that little thing about Florida had a little cockiness about them, and they forgot this is the SEC. I don't care who's on the field, them guys in LSU wanted to win more than Florida did. And it showed up, like them guys was making plays, the pick they caught on the, on the sideline, i never seen a pick like that in my life. Like the stuff they was doing was just like, it was all want to. And I don't think Florida was on the same level as LSU was that night. And I think it bit Florida in the butt because they came in thinking we already won this game. And you can't do that in the SEC. I don't care how bad a team played all you, you can't come in and think I already beat them. <laughs> and I think that's where Florida did.
1: And how does Alabama seem, I think they won like 97 games against unrighteous? teams, how does Alabama keep that edge that these other teams seem not to have where they're just, they're just a year in and year out, different players, they just have that edge and they, they blow these teams out, just not, they're not even close.
2: You know, Alabama keep players to back up their players. Like they bench is good. That's what, like, I'm, like they bring in guys, they tell them, hey, you ain't going to play this year, the first two years you might not play. Them guys buy into that. Now, in two years, them guys look like they've been playing for four years. Alabama good at having a backup plan. And most teams don't do that. They, co- most coaches go in and coach for now. Nick Saban coach for the next three years. You know, he's going to bring two or three guys in that's five stars. One of them probably ain't going to play. Two of them might. But it depends. They're going to sit, sit, sit. And when they get ready to play, they are ready. Because they've been practicing hard for two years. And when they get on that field, they already a monster. They develop, they're huge. Like, he just do a great job developing players that's behind his starters, and when they get their chance, they go ball out. So what do you think
1: for the, if it, if it ends up being Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and, and Alabama, do you think that Alabama's gonna do you know uh, be the, uh, have lead the SEC to another championship?
2: Nobody can stop Alabama running game. That kid is a monster. And the way he's been running the ball, the way it's, it's been consistent, it ain't like it's, oh, it's a fluke, oh no, he had, They are consistent right now. They are about the only team I've seen that's been consistent every game. And the only team I think that could beat them is Clemson. Why is State not beating them? (laughs) Like, they don't have enough depth to beat them. Mm -hmm. If, If they quarterback go down, they in trouble. Like, you know, it's like Alabama got depth. And it's hard to beat a team with that much depth. Like, they start linebacker get hurt on Alabama, the next guy come in, I promise he gonna be just as good as that star linebacker and that's the difference. I'm, like, you playing at Ohio State, they dealt ain't the same as Alabama. You look on Alabama sideline, half of them guys are like the starters. You know, I'm like, there's it's, it's no comparing it. And they did a great job with it this year. I watched them play when they beat Auburn, I was like, that's another championship for Alabama.
1: <laughs> well, it's hard. When they, when they put the reserves in, and say they don't want to run the score up, they're just they're trying to run the ball up and run one play, and still, uh, the back of running back was gaining like 10, 15 yards yeah. to carry. <laughs> That's amazing. So, uh wow, it was great. Well, Sammy, I really, really appreciate you coming in and talking. This is great. And I, I just wish you the best of luck. I mean, I, I think this would be great to see you back in the league next year and uh, and just keep working out working hard and, and we'll be rooting for you here.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna keep working, I'm gonna keep pushing, I'm gonna keep fighting and keep believing in myself. And hopefully it work out. That's great. That's great. Well, thanks again for coming on Iron Sports. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Ira, great stuff there from Sammy Coates. Uh, you, <laughs> excellent interview, man. You got a lot of uh, information, some insider info out of him. So great job with Sammy Coates. So- What's the plan for this week? You've been taking, I think you're three out of four of the past weeks taking a live sporting event. Yeah, going to go see Patriots versus the Dolphins. I think it's, it's going to be
1: exciting down there at uh, uh, Hard Rock Stadium. But uh, Thursday night, we have Chargers-Raiders. Interesting yep. game. Raiders, a must-win for for them. And uh, uh, NBA basketball starts this next week. Crazy. And I got fantasy basketball drafts to get ready for, to start defending some titles. So we'll see what we have <laughs> to do. with. I don't know if I'm ready for the NBA. I don't know if they're
0: ready to start either, but we got that going too. We are out of time. On behalf of Ira, I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. It's Ira on Sports.